0: Hey, it's Mike. Mr. Doherty.
1: Kit, how
0: you doing? Oh, not bad. How's Washington?
1: Cold. It is cold and uh, windy.
0: That, that doesn't sound too no. different
1: from Vermont. It's not. It's not. It's about the same, really. Not as swampy as maybe you expected? Not as swampy. Or maybe a frozen swamp. A frozen swamp. The, the heat is gone, at least outside. In the committee rooms. Scorching hot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> VT Diggers' Kit Norton is in Washington, D.C. this week to cover the first public hearings in the impeachment inquiry of President Donald Trump. Vermont's lone congressman, Peter Welch, sits on the House Intelligence Committee, which is leading these hearings. And on Wednesday, Welch and his colleagues questioned two career diplomats about the event that Democrats say points to an impeachable offense— a July phone call where President Trump asked the leader of the Ukraine to investigate his 2020 rival, Joe Biden. But the hearing also revealed that Republican committee members don't plan to budge on their defense of the president.
1: I got to Capitol Hill on the, uh, the House side right around 8.30. The hearing did not start until 10, but based on the email, I had, I had a reserved seat in the Ways and Means Committee room where the House Intelligence Committee was holding the hearing. It was a cold day. It was about 30 degrees, wind chill, a lot of reporters. There were a lot of television reporters outside. Uh, and, and then, you know, you go in, you go through security and, you know, it was like, you know, Every reporter on the eastern seaboard was here. And, you know, it was just a long line of, of folks waiting to get into the committee room. And then on either side of the door, a massive scrums with, you know, tens of um, television crews. So once you get inside, what's the scene in there? So inside, um, it begins again. It's all about the press. You have where all the, the, the committee members are, are sitting um, in this large, uh, domed committee room, you have uh, press on either side of the room, and then you have uh, rows of, of seats that are reserved for uh, House members, and then some for, for public in the back. Um, and so we had, there were members of the press from all over the country, all over the world. Um, I was actually sitting next to a, um, a reporter from uh, the Swedish National Radio Service. There were people from Germany, and then also all over the country. The Texas Tribune was there, obviously the Washington Post, New York Times, all these different folks all across the room. Um, And then right in front, uh, front and center, was where uh, the witnesses were were going to sit. (laughs) Who are these two witnesses? So the two witnesses are two basically top uh, diplomats uh, for the U.S. who have intimate knowledge of, of Ukraine. There was William Taylor, who's now the top U.S. envoy uh, to Ukraine. He, he now runs the, um, the U.S. embassy there after the now former ambassador was, was let go earlier this year.
2: Mr. Chairman, I'm appearing today at the committee's request to provide my perspective on the events that are the subject of the committee's inquiry. I want to emphasize at the outset that while I am aware that the committee has requested my testimony as part of impeachment proceedings, I am not here to take one side or the other or to advocate for any particular outcome of these proceedings.
1: And then there was uh, George Kent, who is the Deputy Assistant Secretary of State uh, for Eastern Europe.
0: I have served proudly as a nonpartisan career Foreign Service officer for more than 27 years under five presidents, three Republican and two Democrat.
1: Both of these witnesses are longstanding public servants who are very well-respected. They had given testimony to House Intelligence Committee members in private in about mid-October. And then this was really uh, their chance to explain to the American public what they had already told uh, members of Congress.
0: Our representative, Peter Welch, was in that closed-door hearing last month when William Taylor first came in to testify the transcript from that has already been released what is different about bringing these two out into a televised hearing like this
1: one way to think of it is uh, you know private depositions before the the case you know goes into the courts uh, which is very uh, it's a very common uh, way of going through any of this process the real importance of it bringing out into the public is that now these were uh, witnesses which one or subpoenaed to come and testify in public, but also shifting it that the the basic facts of the case have been established by House Democrats, and it's time now to bring it out from behind closed doors and allow uh, these witnesses to tell the facts as they see it to the American public so that the public can understand uh, what has been going on, uh, both around this whole saga, around this July 25th phone call, and then also what uh, their representatives have been hearing as well.
2: The committee will come to order. Good morning, everyone.
1: This As this hearing opens,
0: hearings, we've got opening statements the from the leaders victory. of both the majority in this committee, which is uh, it's majority Democrat, and the minority. What are the strategies that they're laying out? You know, what do they say we can expect
1: from what we're about to hear? Who you have on the Democrats' side is uh, the committee chair, Adam Schiff, a Democrat from California who's been very bullish on this entire inquiry and this entire investigation. And you ha- have him basically saying this is going to be a process that is going to be fair and equal uh, between the both parties um, and to the president. Uh, but that to him it's very clear that the evidence points towards uh, an abuse of power uh, for personal gain by the president.
2: If we find that the president of the United States abused his power and invited foreign interference in our elections, or if he sought to condition, coerce, extort, or bribe an ally into conducting investigations to aid his reelection campaign, and did so by withholding official acts, a White House meeting, or hundreds of millions of dollars of needed military aid, must we simply get over it? Is this what Americans should now expect from their president? If this is not impeachable conduct, what is?
1: And then on the other side, you have another Californian representative, uh, however, Republican, uh, Devin Nunez, who he and other Republicans repeatedly made the case throughout the proceedings that this is a hoax, this is a witch hunt that has continued since President Donald Trump was elected.
0: What we will witness today is a televised theatrical performance staged by the Democrats. Ambassador Taylor and Mr. Kent, I'd like to welcome you here. I'd like to congratulate you for passing the Democrat Star Chamber auditions held for the last weeks in the basement of the Capitol. It seems you agreed, witting or unwittingly, to participate in a drama. But the main performance, the Russia hoax, has ended, and you've been cast in the low-rent Ukrainian sequel.
1: And that these two witnesses, neither of them have, quote, firsthand knowledge of President Donald Trump trying to possibly pressure President Zelensky into opening investigations. And so that all of this, quote, unquote, evidence would be moot in court. And we wait a good chunk of the day
0: to hear from our Congressman Peter Welch. As all these other representatives get up to question these witnesses, How do those strategies kind of play out? What do we
1: hear? So what you hear again is you have House Democrats who are making the point again and again that it seems like President Donald Trump used the power of his office to try to coerce President Zelensky into opening investigation into a political rival. Even if he was not successful in doing that, the the motive was still there and the attempt was still there. And that's the important thing. Um, Representative uh, Joaquin Castro uh, said it very well. He spoke before uh, Representative Welch, and he said, uh, you know, is attempted murder a crime?
2: Is attempted murder a crime? Attempted murder is a crime. Is attempted robbery a crime? Neither of us is a lawyer, but I, uh, I think anybody he, in this room is, could answer that question. I think that's right. I'll, be, I'll go out on a limb and say, yes, it is.
1: Is, it, is attempted extortion uh, a crime?
2: Is attempted extortion and bribery a crime? I don't know, sir.
1: Basically making the the line that even though it might not have worked, it was attempted. And that that's the important part of this uh, investigation. Once we uh,
0: get up, you know, I think we're getting towards like uh, three in the afternoon or so. We finally come around to Representative Peter Welch getting up there, taking his turn to ask some questions. What do we hear heading into his segment here?
1: So right before... Representative Welch gets his five minutes of questioning. Jim Jordan, a Republican from Ohio who has been a staunch defender of President Trump throughout um, uh, his time in Congress, and who repeatedly throughout uh, the proceedings was given was given time by his colleagues to really um, in their minds turn up the heat on the witnesses so just before Representative Welch speaks, Representative Jordan is critiquing the Democrats for not allowing and not bringing forward the original whistleblower who, in his words, got this whole thing started.
2: Now, there is one witness, one witness that they won't bring in front of us. They won't bring in front of the American people. And that's the guy who started it all, the whistleblower. Nope. 435 members of Congress. Only one gets to know who that person is. Only one member of Congress has a staff that gets to talk to that person. The rest of us don't. Only Chairmanship knows who the whistleblower is. We don't. We will never get the chance. We will never get the chance to see the whistleblower raise his right hand, swear to tell the truth and nothing but the truth. We'll never get that chance. More importantly, the American people won't get that chance.
1: And then uh, Representative Welch comes in Mr. Welch, and says, well, I have to agree with my colleague. Uh, I would be happy uh, for the person who started this to come and, uh, and sit.
2: Uh, thank you. I say to my colleague... I'd be glad to have uh, the the person who started it all come in and testify.
1: And then, of course, uh, Welch is referring to President Donald Trump, uh, in this case, not the whistleblower, as Jordan is. Uh,
2: President Trump is welcome uh, to take a seat right there.
1: (laughs) That's a pretty good zinger it was it was one of the highlights of the day really it was really it was a day where neither side uh, really uh, neither house democrats nor house republicans were able to have a breakout moment which you know is important in these proceedings and these it is in many in many ways a production uh, however uh, in this moment uh, welch was able to both condemn the president's actions and also uh, uphold uh, the importance of the, uh, investigation in just this, you know, couple second, uh, retort, uh, to representative Jordan. And I feel like just the fact that it
0: got a laugh also kind of brought this added attention to it. It did. It got the
1: loudest laugh by far throughout the day out of, you know, a mostly, uh, you know, solemn, quite serious, uh, group of folks in the room. It, it was definitely, uh, one of the, one of the highlight moments of the, of the whole, uh, a whole
0: day. But then moving on from that, I mean, the substance of what he said was pretty interesting too. Tell me about what he actually asked this diplomat.
1: Uh, Well, Welch began by basically saying that, you know, President Donald Trump is welcome to attack Joe Biden and the Biden family on the campaign trail. However, when he is asking uh, a foreign, uh, Power for assistance, uh, that's where it crosses an ethical and a legal line.
2: A president could change his position and our position on Ukraine. But is there a limit? There is. Because our Constitution says no one is above the law. And that limit is that one cannot, even as president, use the public trust of high office for personal gain.
1: Going after a political rival is not necessarily an impeachable offense. However, the evidence President Trump tried to coerce a foreign power to help him for personal gain is, is how this is different.
2: Campaign. And by the way, to my colleagues, if the president wants to attack Joe Biden and his son, he's free to do it. All fair and square in campaigns. He's just not free to change our foreign policy, unless he gets his way to assist him in that campaign. That's a line he can't cross.
1: And then uh, from there, he, he goes on and, and he discusses actually another uh, breakout moment that he had and from Ambassador a special counsel, um, Robert Mueller's testimony earlier this year on the investigation into Russian collusion in the 2016 election, in which uh, Mueller told Welch, that he feared this could create a new normal where um political candidates could ask foreign governments for help to be elected into public office. And so what we have here is Welch bringing up again this new this new normal in the sphere of this new normal and asking the witnesses if this uh moment where President Donald Trump is is asking a foreign power for help to dig up dirt on a political rival is this again a a new normal that could go forward if the precedent is set.
2: This is the question. The new normal that Director Mueller feared, is there a new normal that you fear that a president, any president, can use congressionally approved foreign aid as a lever to get personal advantage in something that is in his interest but not the public interest?
1: What does Taylor say? Taylor did not give much of a response. However, the gist of it was that he agreed with with Welch, saying, "This is this is a real possibility of of setting a precedent uh, for this type of behavior."
2: That that should not be the case, Mister Welch. I yield back.
1: They allowed the uh, witnesses to leave after I think it was around six hours of of. Testimony. Then the uh, committee broke for five minutes while the witnesses left, and then they came back quickly to table a a motion to move on. And so then it it wrapped up, and then it was the mad scramble to get to Welch and ask his takeaways from that day and and what to look for moving forward. What did he say? He has been very clear from the beginning that uh, the phone call transcript of that July 25th phone call is, quote, the smoking gun. He said that, you know, if in Watergate it was the the, the tapes, the recordings of President Nixon, you know, this is that smoking gun. And then he also uh, commented on the House Republicans' tactics of attempting to say that, well, neither of these witnesses had firsthand knowledge of the phone call. Uh, Neither of them have spoken to President Donald Trump about the alleged abuse of power and his attempt to coerce president of Ukraine. And so that we should basically dismiss what they have to say, Welch said after the hearing, you know, he feels that this is a mischaracterization of what the witnesses have said and also uh, uh, basically a di- the diversion tactic away from the evidence and that the fact that they're not attacking the evidence shows that they're left at um, trying to poke holes in the witnesses themselves. Got it.
0: We knew from the time that Welch uh, was brought into the Intelligence Committee that that he was going to have a pretty major role in kind of checking the Trump administration generally, as the impeachment inquiry has played out, what have we learned about his style here? You know, how has his role in this evolved in the short time that that he's been involved in
1: that committee? I think it's quite clear that his role has evolved from being a bit of a, you know, a last moment addition to being a spokesperson uh, for the committee. You know, he's been making the, the rounds on cable news networks, MSNBC, CNN. I mean, I went up to him after this hearing and was the first one to grab him. And then, you know, a whole scrum about... Maybe five, seven other reporters all came around him. So I think it's, it's, he's become someone who is handles the press very well and is able to express uh, how the Democrats are going about this inquiry in a very uh, precise way. Uh, which is something I don't think uh, anyone expected when he was announced to the committee at the beginning of the year. Didn't expect just because he's you know from a small state, he's an at-large congressman, that sort of thing? Well, this was the first time he'd been on the Intelligence Committee. He doesn't really have any uh, background in intelligence, um, uh, military, etc., uh, foreign policy. Uh, so just the fact that he's been able to take his, his position there and really uh, become an important part of that committee and of the the, the, the Democrats' uh, strategy um, is it, it, surprising.
0: I'm curious to hear from you. You know, I, I'm sure I wasn't the only person who was sitting at my desk on Wednesday watching this hearing in a little corner of my computer
1: window. What was different about being in the room for it? The big difference, I would say, is it's much like watching, you know, a, a sporting event live versus on television. You get to see all the different members there you get to see the witnesses and and catch things that are going on off camera. So for instance, you get to see uh Welch, you know, scratching his head, uh, listening to something that's being asked and write down notes, or, you know, head off outside, which he did uh, several times throughout those six hours. And then, you, you know, the conversations that are taking place between staff members and committee members. And then it's also th- during the the recesses, the five-minute recesses that I think there were about two or three throughout in which, you know, people are strategizing, they're talking, they're trying to figure out how they're going to go about their line of questioning and, and their strategy. Uh So it's, again, it's much like watching, you know, whatever sporting event you may be seeing. You pick up on all these other details that are not uh, conveyed over television. Yeah. And it's interesting because I've heard
0: a lot of the kind of critique around some of these big public hearings like this is that they are sort of a form of political theater or they are kind of played like a game. And and what you're saying is that you see that even more when you're right
1: there in person. I mean, it's a production. There's no doubt. And you do see that. I mean, this is not, this is for, this is for the American public. This is for uh, television. You know, each side is trying to make their case to the public as best they can. Sometimes that's with facts. Sometimes it's with smoke and mirrors. Well, thanks for taking the time
0: out. Uh, go get a jumbo slice. Yeah, that's what I'm, I've got to do it. Cool. Uh, we'll enjoy the rest of your time in Washington. All righty, Mike. Okay. Thanks, Kip. See you. You can find all of Kit's reporting on Peter Welch and the impeachment inquiry at vtdigger.org. You're listening to The Deeper Dig, a weekly podcast from the VT Digger newsroom. Every Friday, we go deep on one key story we've been following. You can find more episodes on our website or subscribe to The Deeper Dig wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you hear, tell a friend or colleague to check it out. We used music this week by Blue Dot Sessions. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger newsroom. Have a nice weekend.